God, we praise you. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. And um, we're just going to get to our lesson tonight and just see what God's got for us. But, man, I tell you, I, I appreciate the Lord tonight. He's good. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, well, you can follow on the screens. Uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And verses 32 through 40, which will bring us to the end of the chapter. The writer said, And what more shall or what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also, of Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mocking, scourgings, yeah, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Tonight we're going to talk about the long, winding road. The long, winding road. Let's pray together before we get into our lesson tonight. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for being a faithful friend, Savior, and a leader in this life. God, encourage our hearts tonight to be strengthened to continue on with you. Lord, we're going to praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen one more time. Give the Lord a hand clap and a shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That I read that tonight not so much for the impact of what faith can bring you through, but more to just see that people go through stuff. On this walk with God, we go through things, and sometimes it's easy to feel like maybe God has forgotten who we are, where we are, or what we're actually going through. Sometimes it seems like people have forgotten my favorite part of that passage of Scripture is not about the, the lions or the swords or even the dead being raised back to life. But something that strikes with me is when he begins to say that they were, uh, the world was not worthy of them. They just wandered around in goatskins and sheepskins. And in other words, they were poorly dressed. They were not rich people. And he said, but the world wasn't worthy of them. 
and they lived in caves and dens of the earth. And, and to me, it just shows me what people were willing to go through because they were committed to their faith in the Lord. And not just for them, because he said, because them without us. He said, it's gonna, it's gonna, God's got us all in his hand. And they were willing to suffer these things, even though they were not going to obtain the promise yet. They were seeing them afar off, the scripture said earlier, uh, and they embraced them. They didn't just handshake them and walk on by. They didn't give the promises a high five and kept moving, but they wrapped them up. You, when you embrace somebody, you wrap them up. And, uh, and so they embraced these promises and said, we're going to uh, hold on to them even though we're not going to receive the benefit of them yet. And so the world wasn't even worthy of the, the kind of faith they had. They weren't worthy of the kind of people they were that they would just keep going and stand. And they were just like you and I. They, they didn't wear capes. They wore goat skins and sheep skins. They lived in caves. They, they were hungry. They were chased. They were afflicted. They were tormented. And they still kept preaching. And they still kept praising. And they still kept serving. And they just kept on doing it on this long, winding road to heaven. They just kept on when it seems like everybody else had forgot about them. These people didn't think God had forgot, but friend, I'm sure they felt many times like the world had forgotten them. I don't do this often, but I wanted to read a story about uh, someone tonight, and I, I want you to just listen to this and it, it, because it goes right along with these heroes of faith. It says, these were old soldiers. They hadn't fallen in battle, but something worse had happened. They'd been forgotten. If you've ever had that moment when you allowed the question, why am I doing this, to linger on the stage of your mind, you can probably relate. Once smooth and supple, the skin on their faces was now permanently wrinkled. They walked slowly, shoulders bent from years of long, arduous travel from village to village. Their once muscular legs were now tired. Their calloused feet were beautiful only because they had carried the gospel like Isaiah said, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. They had faithfully served God in their calling on the African continent. After many years of ministry, they had finally decided that their work was completed. Aged, tired, and worn, they packed their spare belongings, said their final farewells, and boarded a ship for the long voyage home to America. One of the passengers on board the ship was none other and celebrated American President Teddy Roosevelt, who was also returning to New York. During the long voyage home, they watched as people made a great fuss over the president. Everyone wanted to have a picture taken with Mr. Roosevelt. It seemed everyone was a friend, but no one had a clue that two of heaven's elite special forces were among them. They had walked courageously with God on the sun-parched soil of a distant continent, and left God's kingdom stronger. This was their last trip home. There would be no going back. As the ship approached the iconic New York City Harbor, the sound of the band could be heard over the ship's blaring horn as throngs of people descended on the pier. 
As the music played and hats were waved and supporters screamed their adoration, the president was welcomed home in a manner befitting the head of a great nation. Meanwhile, the welcome for the elderly missionary couple was non-existent. As they disembarked, they scanned the crowds with weary eyes, hoping to see someone they recognized. A few times they thought someone was waving at them, but it turned out that the greetings were for others. Though they'd sent word of their return, no one had come to welcome them. Slowly but surely, the reality of the moment sank into their hearts like the massive, heavy anchor of the ship. No one, no one had come to meet them. No one came to welcome them, to express gratitude for two people who had devoted the best years of their lives to missionary work. Over time, the people who knew them had died. Some were too aged to make it to the dock, and others were simply too busy to welcome home some of heaven's heroes for the last time. At that moment, it seemed to them that not only had their friends forgotten about them, but that God had also forsaken them. After gathering their belongings, they found a hotel room. Sensing his wife's disappointment and not knowing how to deal with his own, the man found a corner and knelt to pray. The tears flowed as he struggled to find the words to express to God that after serving his kingdom for so many years, the least he could have done was to have a few people on hand to welcome them home. In just a few moments, he received his answer, and he rose to his feet with a smile. What did the Lord say that has caused you so much peace? His wife asked. He looked tenderly at her. The Lord said, we are not home yet. We're not home yet. Sometimes it seems like we're forgotten. Sometimes it seems like uh, the Lord's forgotten what's going on here. Maybe it seems like people are forgotten and we wonder where is the reward for what we're doing. But I'll remind you, as the Lord reminded him, we are not home yet. Friend, we're on this long and winding road and we are not home yet. See, walking with God is the journey of a lifetime. Not just a few moments, but it's about a lifetime committed to God. The Bible says that we are running a race and we are supposed to run the race with patience. And so we must understand that this is not a sprint that only requires a short burst of energy for us to go just a short distance. To, you know, when people do sprints, they're trying to see what kind of good time they can make. How quick can I do this? What's my time? We see it in college football and pro football. They go and how fast can they sprint the 40? How fast can they sprint 100 yards? And, and that's what they think is their reward. But walking with God in this, this Christian life, is, it's not about a sprint. It's, this is, we've got to have stamina because this is going to be, uh, hey, listen, win or lose, this race is not over quickly. It's a marathon, and stamina is required in this race. We must be able to go the distance. As Paul said, uh, we must be able to finish our course. One place it said we must endure hardness as a good soldier. And even Jesus said that he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. We're, we're going to have to have stamina in this race. 
If we're going to have to be able to have a commitment in our spirit and something that says, I'm not going to give up and, and realize that it's not about the hand claps or the pat on the backs that we get here, but it's about the Lord saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Because in this life, there's going to be a, a lot of moments where we are lonely, where we have fear, stress, anxiety, pain, even stumbling, sometimes falling. And if we are not committed to this long, winding road, if we're not committed to finishing with God, if we're not committed to finishing well, we're not going to make it. We can't be uh, thinking, I'm just going to sprint home. We're going to run a marathon home. We've got to be committed to this walk with God. There are a number of things that are involved with walking with God. First, we make a lifelong commitment. When Jesus said, follow me, he didn't mean follow me to the store. He meant follow me all the way home. You're going to follow me all the way to the cross and then beyond. You're going to, because I'm going to give you uh, this gospel. I'm going to give you marching orders, and I'm going to give you things to help build this church, and so I need you to make a commitment that you will follow me with your life. Jesus said if we try to save our life, we'll lose it, but if we would lose our life, we would save it alive. I want to lose my life for him. Secondly, in this walk with God, we must learn to deal with the distractions of life because there's always going to be something trying to get us off of of eternity. Uh, Listen, Adam and Eve would have lived eternally with God if they hadn't got kicked out of Eden. They would have lived there with him forever, but there was a distraction. You shall not surely die. We've got to watch out for the distractions. Next, it's about uh, relationship and an intimacy with God, one that is more uh, about us being transformed to be more like him so we can do the things that he has called us to do. And then another part of walking with God is that we realize we won't always and rarely will we have answers. But even when we don't have the answer, we're going to stay committed to him because we trust him, that we commit the keeping of our soul unto him as unto a faithful creator. Uh, As Job said, though he slay me, yet Will I trust him? And so I, I, I realize that I may not understand and, and God will rarely explain himself. He doesn't need to. He's a sovereign God, a holy God, a righteous God. And he doesn't have to explain to me what he's doing. But I must trust him with all that I do. And then uh, finally, this walking with God involves us finishing on his terms, on God's terms, our course before we step off into Eternity. People don't know much about commitments today. The world is, they're they're so easy to to flip and flop from one thing to the other. And our church just seems like we're in a season of, of young couples making commitments. We've got several weddings coming up, one very soon, and then uh, through February and uh, Uh, March and April, three more weddings, and some of them are sitting in here tonight. Commitment, friend, without it, it won't, it's not going nowhere. 
And without commitment, our walk with God's not going anywhere. When you're committed, you'll stay on course. You'll stay on target. When you're committed to something, you'll keep the faith. Hello. When you're committed, you, you, you see the finish line. You know, I, I have one goal, and that's to make it. But, but when you're not committed, you're here or there. You're scattered. You're, well, anything catches your eye, that's the next new thing, and here I go again. Back in 2000, and I think it may have been 21, it's been very recently, but who remembers the wedding of Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphreys? Anybody remember that? You may not remember it because it only lasted 72 days. 72 days. Now, I think Britney Spears had had them beat. She had 55 hours under her belt. But this 72-day marriage cost $10 million. 450 people watched a couple commit to a lifetime that only lasted 72 days. Just a short, short distance from vows of a lifetime, and they were no longer husband and wife. All the money they spent... I think it says she wore three different gowns. It cost $20,000 a piece. And uh, just money spent, all this stuff. A great show, but it didn't mean nothing because there was no commitment with it. They were all, it it made for good TV. It got good press and it got got them uh, some recognition, some talk shows, some book deals, probably all kind of things that will probably help put that $10 million back. But, I don't want a 72-day relationship with God. I can remember the night I came to the altar and I was so amazed at the love and the mercy that I felt from God that night and the power of God that had fallen on me that as I prayed and through tears and I was just talking to God, I said, I don't know what this is, but whatever it is, I don't want to ever lose it. I don't want to be back where I was in two weeks, two months, or two years. I don't ever want to leave uh, this, whatever this is. And, and God, whatever you're giving me, I want to keep it from now until you come to get me or I go home or whatever. But, uh, and I've always told people, I said, God answered my first prayer that I can remember really praying. I said, because I have never one time wanted to turn my back and walk away. Man, I have cried. I have been hurt. I've had disappointments I've been upset, I've been confused, I've wondered why God, but I have never, ever thought I'm getting off this path to heaven. I'm going to make it, we sing that song, I'm going to make it all the way home. I got my foot on the rock and my mind's made up. I'm going all the way home. And that's what walking with God is about. It's about going the distance. When Jesus called them, those guys that, hey, follow me. Follow me. And then he had to tell them right before he left, look, don't let your heart be troubled. You see things changing right now and you're worried. You see, you hear me talking about uh, being killed and you don't understand all these things and, and that about me going away and you don't know what I'm talking about, but don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. If you believe God, believe me. In my father's house are many mansions and I'm going away to prepare a place for you. Where I am, you can be also. And if I go away, I'm going to come again so I can receive you to myself. He he told them, he said, I want you to be ready to go the distance. 
I don't want you to stop just because I'm leaving. I've got to go so the Holy Ghost can come. And then you'll have power to be witnesses unto me in, in Judea, in Jerusalem, and to the uttermost parts of the world. You'll have the power to continue to go. And if when I come back, if that same spirit that raised me up is dwelling in you, you're coming home too. You're going to go the distance. God wants us to go the distance. But he is not going to snatch inconsistent, disobedient people off the earth. It ain't going to happen. He said, who then is that good and faithful servant that when his Lord comes will find him so doing? Is God going to find us still with our hand on the plow and not looking back but plowing that line, following him, saying, God, where you lead me, I will follow. It makes a good song, but it makes a better life. Come on, somebody. Oh, that's a good song to sing, and it, it, it can make you tear up and cry and get all sentimental. But, it, friend, let me tell you, if you will say, Lord, where you lead, I will follow and actually do that. Follow him. Stick to this calling. Stick to what God's give you. Walking with God is about going the distance. Many times our, our walk with God is, is like, it's like the seasons. When it begins, it's like the springtime. You know, new birth. In the spring, we always talk about, you know, here comes all the plants, everything's blooming. You know, animals getting twitter-pated, all kinds of things, you know. If you watch Bambi, you know what I'm talking about. But it's, it's passion, it's love, it's, you know, things are new and things are great and, it, it, and it's, it's wonderful stuff. And, and, and when we first start off, we, we have that. It's, it's like, uh, man, we have a zeal and, and things are great and we start off with God and then all of a sudden we hit the summer. And our faith is tested. It's that hot, balmy wind. It's dry. It's, it's, it's heat and it's miserable. And sometimes it's just almost more than we can bear. And we're going through that testing of our faith to see, can we make it? And then here comes the fall. And there's a chill in the air. Things are changing. The leaves of spring turning brown and yellow and orange and purple. And things are different. Things are not like they were in the spring, and then we're headed toward that winter where we're reminded that we don't walk this earth forever, but to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we know that we're going to spend an eternity with him, and so we, we keep this walk. It's, it's like a season, and, and, uh, but we have to go through all the seasons. We're not, you know, we've got to make it all the way home. We can't just... Uh, sit back and think, well, I, I just want to be springtime all the time. It's not going to be. You know, I think the 21st of this month is the first day of winter. I mean, people don't like winter. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of people don't like winter. Because uh, it's going to be winter. You could write in your planner, scratch winter out, and put first day of summer. Won't be. If you, if you believe, if you got that much faith, go jump in your pool on the 21st and see how you feel. No. It, it doesn't matter how bad we want a certain season. Seasons come without us having any guidance over it. It just happens. It comes at a time when I wear. Most of us will be asleep when the actual hour of the change comes. We'll be asleep. We won't even re realize it. We'll wake up and, oh, it's winter. But... 
you can't stop it. And sometimes we, we just realize we can't stop the seasons of our life. It's going to come. It's going to happen. What I've got to do is remember I'm not living for time. I'm living for eternity. You know, living for time is what can, I, what can I fill my days with, but living for eternity is what can I do for God? What can I do for the kingdom? Am I still following him? Am I still listening to his voice? Is he still my shepherd? Am I still following him, or am I just in love with the idea of heaven? When we walk with God, it's also about having selective vision. In other words, it's choosing who and what you will focus on. Because on this journey with him, many times you're going to pass a place where you will make the same decision that you made years before because you don't want to get distracted. Living for God is about consistency is what I'm trying to tell you. This walk with him is that we don't live this way one year and then live some way another year. We live for him the way he called us to live for him. We, we stay consistent. If we're going to be... If the one who never changes lives inside of us, that ought to tell us something. Because before we ever, he ever walked this earth in the flesh, he said, I am the Lord, I change not. And then the writer wrote of Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He's consistent. No matter what time of life he was in, he's consistent and so if the one that never changes lives inside of me, why would I think I could change the way I live for him from year to year? I'm supposed to grow in him. Christ is supposed to be formed in me. Consistency and commitment is going to get us down this long and winding road. And so we'll find out that I'm going to make the same decisions over and over again. You know, the thing with that is that people begin to think, well, that, those decisions are outdated, Pastor. Then you must think the Bible's outdated because my decisions are based on what it says here, not what it says in the news, not what it says in the big uh, mega church, not what it says uh, from the Vatican. It ain't got nothing to do with none of that stuff. It's, what's it saying here? My decisions for walking with God are based on covenant and not culture. The word of God will always trump culture every time. He says, well, that's just how we are. In this that's why Jesus died, to fix how we are. That's why he shed his blood, to wash away how we are. We live for covenant and not culture. And so we make a choice that I'm going to keep on living for him day after day, year after year, until I finish my course distractions in this walk with God distractions are detours that look like shortcuts but they always take you to the wrong destination there are no shortcuts with God there are no shortcuts of living with God or living for God or walking with God there are no shortcuts it's going to happen in his time but when we live for time when we live in this, I got to have it now, instant gratification kind of faith, that just proves right there that, that, we're, that we don't have a commitment because it's not about uh, how fast can I get it with God. And you, you might you feel like that with Amazon and everything else, but it ain't like that with God. 
you don't just say, hey, Lord, you know, I paid my tithes this week. I ought to be getting free shipping. <laughs> I ought to be getting next day air. You know, God's going to do things in his time, the way he sees fit, the way things work out the best. He wants it to be the best for you and me. And so uh, we're going to learn that uh, along this way that there's going to be things happening that, that we don't understand and that God's not going to explain. But we're going to continue walking with him anyway. God, listen, you cannot explain and you cannot understand every bad thing you have ever seen, heard, or experienced. There's sometimes things going on in our life and we go, I have no idea why this has come to me. Job surely had to wonder, what did I, you know, what did I do to, you know, to lose my family, my flocks, my herds, my health, have my wife go off on me? You know, what did I do to deserve all this? Nothing. God picked that fight. And God set the rules for it too. You know, listen, if God picks the fight, he'll set the rules. And it's not his will that we perish. He's not going to send something to you that would destroy you without a remedy. With every temptation, God makes a way of escape that we are able to bear it because God is faithful. And so, but we want, well, how do I continue walking with God when, Pastor, how do I continue walking when I've had such heartache or had such loss or such disappointment or you know, how do I just keep going? You got to trust him. You got to trust the Lord. Proverbs 3 and 5 tells us that uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's, a, that's a, a great, great secret to learn. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your own understanding. When you try to understand in your own mind, in your own heart, the things that God is working out in your life, It'll, that's where that depression seeks in because you're like, I can't understand it. So Job just summed it up like this. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Sometimes you just got to be able to say, I trust the one. I don't just have faith in what God does. I have faith in what God does not do. Because we're always like, I got to have faith to see what God does. But sometimes you got to have faith in what God doesn't do. And when you pray for something and you don't see God doing it, then have faith in why he's not doing it because he works all things together for our good. That's what God does. And then in Psalm 37 and 3, he said, Trust in the Lord and do good. Keep doing good, and so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. When you trust God, it is equated to provision. It, it, it's like... Uh, when you trust God, you're going to have provision. He said, you're going to uh, be fed. You're going to dwell in the land. You're going to have a place to live. I'm going to take care of you, but just trust me. Well, things are bad. That's all right. You'll never be displaced, and you'll never go hungry. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen his seed begging bread. And then what the, the writer said, Psalm 125 and 1 they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Friend, there's, uh, you want to be consistent. You want to help uh, keep your commitment with God. 
then trust him. You've got to trust him when you don't understand it. You've got to trust him when you can't see a way out. You've got to trust him. That's what that faith in him is all about. It's, like I say, it's about trusting him when I don't understand any of it. I don't want to be, you know, uh, we all, look, we're, we're going to have these kind of troubles and these kind of trials, and, and, and we're going to have to trust God. And, and sometimes I, we opened up talking about these heroes of faith, and we think that, man, look at them just going through things, and, and, and they were like they were superheroes or something. And they were people. They weren't, what we read shows you they were not spared. They, they, they uh, stopped the mouth of lions. That means they were in the, either fighting lions in the Colosseum or they were in the den of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They had to go in the fire, escape the edge of the sword. They were weak, but then were made strong. They, they had to fight. They had to fight armies. They had death in their life. Things happened. But then, when they, yeah, but all these have good answers to them. Yeah, but there was a period of time where it was fearful, where it was troubling, where it was stressful. When you're about to be thrown into a pit of lions, no matter how much you trust God, that's stressful. You lose, uh, you know, we, we think about those, the dead restated their life, their, their, their loved ones back to life. You know, maybe the, think about the, the woman who had a child that the prophet promised her and he, he passed away and, and then uh, God raised him back from the dead. And said, well, that's great. We know Jesus stopped a funeral procession and gave a woman back uh, her child again. And, and so we know all that happens, but they still had to go through all that grief, through that heartache, through that pain. They, they, they were not spared the painful chapters of life, but they made up their mind that we're going to just walk through these chapters with God. And if God is ordering my steps, he wrote this chapter. And so I don't understand why. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not going to get distracted. I'm going to walk through it with the Lord. And if there's a book in the Bible that, that we need to read about not getting distracted, it's, it's the book of, of Ruth. Because, uh, man, these people, uh, Naomi, what a tough walk she had. This woman, Naomi and her husband, they leave from Bethlehem. They leave. They head out. They're, they're headed uh, to Moab. Naomi, her husband, two sons, got their family, whole life in front of them. There they go. Uh, while they're in Moab, uh, her, her sons fall in love. They, they marry two daughters, and, and life is just going along good. And then one funeral, two funerals. Both sons are gone. Boom, another funeral. Her husband's gone. What do you do if you're Naomi after the third funeral? What can you possibly think of? She made the great decision of saying, I'm going back to Bethlehem. I'm going back to, into Judah. I'm going back uh, to where I started from. I'm going back to where God's people are. Hey, don't get me wrong. She wasn't excited about it. She wasn't clapping and dancing going down the road. She'd already said, when she came home, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. She said, because I went out full, but I have come home empty. But that's it. Sometimes 
for God to fill us with what he wants, he's got to empty us from what we have. And when you read the story of Ruth, you, you realize that uh, Naomi, they had her and her husband and kids, they had to leave so that they could find Ruth. I don't know what happened to the other daughter-in-law. She went back to her people. But they had to find Ruth and to get them back because you know who needed Ruth? Boaz needed Ruth and God needed Ruth. And God said, you know what, I'm going I'm to work a miracle here that, that even though uh, there's been a tragedy in Naomi's life, three tragedies in Naomi's life, all things work together to good to them that love me. She don't see it right now. She don't understand right now. Naomi had no idea that Ruth would ever marry Boaz, but it happened. It happened, and it was uh, uh, miraculous, but uh, she had to be emptied so that God could fill her with this new stuff, could do the work that he wanted to do, and we must be emptied. Empty vessels are where the miraculous happens. The widow woman who... Uh, the prophet told her, said, take your vessel of oil and go borrow empty vessels, not a few. It was the empty vessels that received the miraculous oil. And sometimes you know, he, he said, don't go borrow full vessels. I can't put oil in that. They've got to be empty. And sometimes we think, uh, I don't understand what you're doing, God. He's like, I'm emptying you because I've got a miracle coming. But here's the thing. Naomi didn't have to go back to Bethlehem but she was still committed to her people and to her God. She was sad. She was grieving. She was heartbroken. She thought life was over for her, but she said, but I'm still going back to God's people. I'm still going to go back to where God is. That's why Ruth said, hey, where you go, I'll go. Your God will be my God and your people will be my people. If, if that's where you're going, then I'm going too. And that commitment, but if Naomi had said, that's it, I'm giving up right here. I'll just sit here in, in Moab. I'll just stay right here and I'll just die here. She's never going to see what God was working out. Never. That was still the plan, but she'd never see it. I told some people the other day when I was preaching this past Sunday, I said, there's a, a lot of books that if people could, uh, books of their lives, I said, if people could read them, they'd be like, wow, I had no idea it was going to end like this. And God's going to say, that's because you quit in the middle of it. But God's writing these chapters. And sometimes these chapters are painful, but they're necessary. And when we're committed to God, we're going to make it down that long, winding road. Look, you're not home yet. It's not the end of the book yet. It's not, it's not over. God's still working in your life. But you've got to trust him. You've got to believe that he will do it. Listen, it can always, we can end it at any time. When tragedy comes, that could be the end of our walk with God if we choose that. But Naomi didn't choose that. Listen, if we keep following, we're going to see what God's doing. But if we stop, it's just like if I said, hey, follow me, I'm going to show you something. And you take about 10 steps and then you stop. You'll never know what I was going to show you. Because you said, ah, that's too far to walk. Uh, you know, you I don't, I don't really want to see that, whatever. You know, and you don't make it. But I want to see everything God's got for me. I've heard too much about heaven. I've heard too much about the things that God has planned. I don't want to miss what God's got.
for me. So for Naomi, what could have been the end or a place of surrender was turned around and used by God because it hurt for her and Naomi both because they refused to die in that land of dilemma. They said, we're not going to die here. We're going back to God's country. We're going back to God's people. We're going back to the people that pray. We're going back. I want to make a commitment to keep walking with God. I want to make it all the way home. I want to make it to see what God's got. Who knows what God might do? But here's the thing about Ruth and Naomi's story, that there are blessings in our tragedy that we only see if we stay committed. This is what they said about uh, Naomi in Ruth 4, 14 and 15, after, um, after Ruth was married to Boaz and had had a child, the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord which has not left you this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, a nourisher of thine old age. It wasn't over, Naomi. For thy daughter-in-law which loves thee is better to thee than seven sons has borne him. Isn't it fabulous? Wait a minute. She said, I went out full. I came in empty. Yeah, but God has given you a daughter-in-law that loves you and she's better than seven sons and, and now you've got this grandbaby and now, now you're the great-grandmother. You know, you're you're going to be like the great-grandmother to David. You're, you're going to be in, your, your Ruth is going to be in the lineage of, of, of David and of Christ and, and you had no idea all this was coming and you never would have if you hadn't stayed committed. We think, let's see, when, and if you've walked with God for any time, you, you, you know that God saves the best chapters of the story until after you've walked around with him in fiery furnaces, in painful circumstances, in den of lions, uh, around giant walls. He saves those best chapters for after you've gone through the mess. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And then he said, I've got a table prepared in the presence of my enemies. You, you never know what's on the other side of those valleys unless you walk through them. You've got to go through them. And so it's in this, this uh, time of lifetime of walking with God through sometimes certainty, sometimes we see the hand of God, and, but then uncertainty through good decisions, bad decisions, that we see God leading us into his perfect will. And it was through tears and heartache and pain that Ruth and Naomi saw the hand of God in their life, that even though they had suffered great loss and tragedy, it was not over for them. And, man, I'm just thankful that... Uh, Ruth said, I'm hanging on to you. I, I'm not going back, going back to your country. No, no. Where you go, I'll go. Your God, she'd seen enough uh, out of, and maybe Naomi didn't even realize what an example she had been to Ruth that made Ruth say, I'm sticking with you. Because somehow you had lost it through all this loss. You haven't lost it. You're still going. So what, I want whatever it is you got so your people's going to be my people and your God's going to be my God. Wherever you go, I'm going. You know, and a lot of times they, they read that scripture or sing that song at weddings. 
because it's about commitment. And that's what walking with God's about. It's about a commitment that no matter, even if I feel forgotten, I realize it's not over because I'm not home yet. It's not done. I'm, I'm not home yet. God has not forsaken you. You hear me? God has not forsaken you. God will never forsake you. Reading in the book of, of Matthew, at the very beginning of Matthew's gospel, he tells us that this child born would be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. God's going to be with us. Jesus ends the book by saying, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. I'm with you. God's going to be with you at the beginning, and God's going to be with you at the end. <laughs> Come on, somebody. God's going to be there. And, and when you started this fall, God said, I'm going to be with you. And when you feel like you're in the, in the fall or the winter, even maybe, God's still going to be with you. God's going to be with you. And I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, won't we just lift our hands for a moment and love him for a moment? Hallelujah. He's going to take care of us, church. He's, go he's going to take care of us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Paul said this. He wrote this to the, the church at Rome in, in, in Romans 8. And, and uh, let's see where I'm starting at here. In verse 31, he said, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Maybe we need to start remembering these scriptures. And, you know, I know we read them, we quote them, we get excited about them, but, but man, really apply them to your heart and, and hear what they're saying. If God be for us, who can be against us? And then in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Is there anything that can separate me from God? And then verse 37, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. I love that part there because sometimes we realize this thing right here is not going to take me out. But I also know that there ain't nothing coming my way that can knock me off this walk with God. No height, depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we're going to make it. We're going to make it. God has not forgotten us. And you can come to the music. You, listen, God has not forgotten who you are. You're just not home yet. And there's a reward coming. The, the, the title for this, that long winding road, is actually from a, a gospel song. And I'm not going to sing. You can believe that. That would be the end. But I do, I do want to read these words. It says, When I made my start for heaven, I could only find one way. A road that led me through the mountains and the valleys. A road not many folks could take. When I started out on my journey... I left many, many miles behind me.
miles of tears and pain, miles of storms and rain. This road's been rough, but I again would choose the same. There are times when the rocks hurt my feet. My body burns from the sweat and heat. My strength completely drains and my face marks the pain. My back is bent from the strain. You see, I could turn back now, but the road is still there. In every mountain that I've climbed, I again would have to bear. So I really can't turn back because there may be some who are using my tracks. I see one more bend, and it may be this road's end. I like we said, I can't turn back because the road is still there. People don't realize that when they turn, turn to walk away from God, the road didn't disappear. It's still there. It was the steps ordered of God. There's a lot of steps, a lot of ordered steps that are never walked in because people turned off one way or the other. I, I want to make it all the way. I want to make it all the way. Let's stand together tonight. I think it'd be good to just lift our hands and, and make a commitment again to God. You know, sometimes in a marriage, after so many years, people will renew their vows, just renewing that commitment, letting that one that they chose years ago, letting them know, I choose you all over again. I wonder if you could lift your hands tonight and tell the Lord, I'd do it all again. I'd do it all again. It's been tough. There's been some tears, but I'd do it all again. I'd walk this road again because, God, you've been so good. You've been so faithful. Oh, I did cry, but you were there. I did hurt, but you were there. It was awful, but you were there. And the reason I'm not consumed today, your word tells me, is because of your mercy. Hallelujah. I'd do it all again. I'd do it all again. While she's singing tonight, if you'd like to come and pray for a few moments, come find your place in this altar. Talk to the Lord. Tell Him, I want to make it all the way. I want to make it all the way, Lord.